Welcome to the WFNY CornerCast, a podcast that takes an in-depth look at the Cleveland Guardians baseball team and farm system. Presented to you by the WaitingForNextYear.com network of podcasts. Here are Gerbs, Mitch, and Ethan. Hello and welcome to the WFNY CornerCast, brought to you by the Evergreen Network and Evergreen Podcast Network and part of the Waiting for Next Year community. You will be hearing this on October the 7th. Uh, game one of the wild card round will be starting in about four hours by the time you actually hear this podcast. And I am your host, Joe Gerbs Gerberry, accompanied by the one and only Farmer Ethan. Farmer, how are you doing tonight? Oh, you know, rising to the occasion. The occasion is every day. You're goddamn right it is. Uh, it's very possible that uh, we will be getting those shirts shortly. Ooh. But that's a very Ooh, is that quick... A, is that a very, breaking news? That's a very quick breaking news, breaking tea uh, info for you. But uh, breakingtea.com backslash WFNY will take you to the Cleveland collection of t-shirts uh, that are there. Uh, you can get your Guardia kids, which is perfect for that long ride of the playoffs, because undoubtedly uh, these uh, these children that play for the team that we root for uh, are all going to be wearing all red. So it's, it's a red shirt that you can uh, wear to the games if you want to go, uh, or at home, like I'm going to be uh, watching the game. But uh, Guardia kids... Um, Great shirt for them. Other also that they have the night night Andres, the all in smoke, all the smoke rather. Uh, those are blue, but you know they like doing that red out for the playoffs. So the Guardian kids is really the one you want to get. I don't know what they're going to do with the uh, the information I've given them, but uh, they have said that they are looking into using Austin Hedges' great quote about uh, "We do not rise to the occasion; the occasion is every day." So. Um, it's possible they are going to put that on a T-shirt. I told them they would sell at least a couple of them if they did. So uh, that's a shout-out to all of our Discord uh, folks. If you guys are interested in joining our Discord, uh, shoot us a message, drop a comment on uh, this article, on the comments in the uh, on the podcast, however you find us. Message us at WFNYCLE on Twitter. Um, get us, uh, we'll get you a Discord uh code to join that so you guys can join in and watch the uh the playoff games with us any other random ads i can just throw at you so you can that, that you you haven't thought of yet that i'm just making up in time no i think you vamped the advertisements quite a bit i think we're I good to go there it did a lot of them but uh so uh ethan uh obviously like i said we um we, we were talking in our uh pre-show that uh, it feels like it's probably going to be a shorter podcast today because we have uh, we did a lot of pre-playoff uh, stuff last week with Mitch. So go back and listen to that podcast because uh, even though there was still a whole Kansas City Royals series that was six games between, right, uh, between last week and this week, uh, there wasn't much intrigue for uh, prepping for the playoffs being that the Guardians had already secured the AL Central, and uh, the only the only thing that was really up in uh, up in the air was who they were going to face. Uh, so well, that we was know the now. Only thing. I really do have a bone to pick with the team. Okay. How how on earth 
did they run a season-long Twitter campaign revolving their freaking hot dog races and That's not wait true. until game 162 to let Mustard take the belt? 100%. Why did you do it with three games left or two games left or whatever it was? Why? Why? Well, why? It, it absolutely should have been the last game. I am I'm vehemently angry about this, and I will curse ownership to no end over this. There's a lot this of things that you could have done. One of the reasons. Uh, there are a lot of things that could you could have done. Uh, our very own Dave Sterling has mentioned that uh, when you sent down mustard to the miners to do some get some work uh, in, 100% you could have brought in the ballpark mustard. Right. To it's run a couple of innings, run a couple games. There already? It was there. It was right there for your for your grasp, uh, but you uh, you let it slip through your uh, mustardy fingers, and uh, yeah, oh. yeah. So. What I'm hearing is that they have a, a marketing and a social media hole that our very own Dave Sterling needs to go apply for, so that right. they can come back stronger next year. Uh, just I, I highly doubt that Dave will be able uh, uh, the best fit for that, uh, as it needs to be PG thirteen. And Dave has a uh, a history of not uh, not abiding by those rules. So, well, he might just need to annoy some fan grass writers. That's very possible. So, uh, but yes. Uh, so, besides the uh, hot dog races that were uh, aggravating Ethan, amongst others, um, like I said, the the only thing that was really up in the air for the playoffs was some roster moves and opponents. Um, we don't have the rosters yet, which to me feels weird that they have they have until 10 a.m. tomorrow to make them uh, because the game starts at 12 noon. So you're betting your playoff on a roster that's being set two hours before, which I mean, it's I guess, sure, why not? That's fine. Uh, but we do now know that the Guardians are going to be playing the Tampa Bay Rays, a team that they recently faced after the clinching. Uh, and and beat three times in one run game, uh, three one run games. I say that a little bit slower. So they they took two out of three. Two out of three. Well, they won the series, but it was all three. Uh, they were all three games. We were decided by one run. So um, that's the sentence that I'm trying to say. Yeah, and you know, you obviously can't take anything in the regular season as as gospel you know that once the playoffs start absolutely anything can happen i know the football adage is any given sunday baseball is any given inning anything they made a whole happen. movie about it right well yes but especially with these two teams you've got two of the top five analytics departments a hall of fame manager a former apprentice of said hall of fame manager and some very bright young stars going head to head so Yes, Cleveland won the season series. Yes, Tampa has a, a, a scroll of injuries. It's getting that deep. But you can't count them out at all, despite how last week went. Yeah, um, yeah 100%. The playoffs are a completely different monster. And with the the fact that you only need to win two games and your or your season's done, you know, that puts a lot of pressure on things and can, uh, you know, pucker up some things and, and make things a little bit harder for, for you know, a veteran team or a, a even a, a younger team. Are they able to rise up to that uh, occasion? But uh, as, uh, 
as again we've said, the occasion is every day. So, um, so let's get to some news and notes. Uh, we talked last week about uh, at nauseum. It feels like that Bo Naylor was possibly going to get called up. Uh, we did not know what roster machinations were going to happen. We still don't. We still don't know what's going to happen to get him on the actual um, playoff roster. But um, we are able to see that there is uh, some light there at the end of the tunnel. He is expected to be the uh, the Selby is Godcast uh, guys are saying that uh, it, it seems as though he's definitely going to be there. Um, but uh, it, it remains to be seen 100% whether or not that's actually going to happen. Um, yeah, as we've understood it, uh, the rule that we're able to Google and that we're able to see as part of the new collective bargaining agreement that it doesn't matter if the player wasn't on the 40 man, as long as they were in the organization before September 1st and you had a injured list eligible player on their designated injured list time slot for the time it was stated. So Goes was on the 60-day DL and he or IL now, and he was there for 60 days. So that opened yes. a spot that yes. we presume is for Will Brennan. Problem is, and I, I don't know in what other world that this is a problem, the Guardians don't have anybody else that's injured. And according to Zach Meisel of The Athletic, if there is any player anywhere that is not able to perform their duties, then... Bonehler can take their spot. And I'm if, not sure who is not. unable to perform their duties right now if nobody's on the injured list, but that is what Meisel's sources have told him. So we're all just kind of on standby until two hours before first pitch to figure out what are we working with beyond our potential starting nine and Shane Bieber. Right. Um, yeah, it seems very weird that that's a, a thing that could even possibly happen. But, I mean, it's nonetheless a thing that could possibly happen. Uh, it's Major League Baseball, and weirdness happens every day. So, um, yeah, it, it, but I, I made the joke when I saw that tweet, like, oh, uh, Brian Lavasita, uh, didn't you know your back was tightening up? Like, coach, we don't have any games right now. Like, no, no, your back hurts. Go sit down, Brian. It's like, yes, sir, yes, sir. So, uh Seems, well, and, right, seems that, really weird. I don't know well, how that all works out, but sure. Right, but does that like limit you to physically? Because I would argue that Plezak's been unable to perform all year. Ouch. I had to take that shot. It was there. It's all right. It's fine. We'll go with that. All right. We've been on we've been on the Plezak. We've been off the Plezak uh, train, Plezak Island, whatever you want to call it, for a while. So that's that's fine. Perfectly okay with that. Um. So the rosters do have to get trimmed down um, from the 28th that they're at currently to 26. Um, who do you expect to be the hitter that makes it, that gets off of the list going forward? So, yeah, we know the pitcher is going to be Aaron Zavale. Yes. Uh, they've already informed him of that. They're going to roll with Plezak, presumably as a 
long relief late inning bullpen arm should they need him. Yeah. Um, and they have mentioned that they will, if, if they were to advance, Savale would start in the ALDS against the Yankees. Yes. So yes, it, everybody would be used. He would be your next right. best pitcher to go up unless the Yankees go, well, the Yankees are on a bye. So it's not like the guardians would get an extra day of rest to let anybody uh, recover and go on short rest. So yeah, Savali right. would probably start game one of a potential ALDS. Right. The hitters are a tough crop to pick from because you're presumably adding Will Brennan and Bo Naylor somehow. And you can think about performances all year long. And I know there's this conspiracy theory that he plays better in cold weather, but Owen Miller jumps out to me as somebody who just has not contributed that well, but then you lose your backup first baseman for Josh Naylor. And if you want to DH him or the ankle is not feeling well, then I, I don't know if you really want to start potentially Gabriel Arias at first base in a playoff game with five games under his belt there. Definitely doesn't so, feel optimal. No, it doesn't seem great. And it gives you that, you know, not saying he's going to turn into a gold glove defender there in the playoffs, but it gives you that when Jason Kipnis was announced as the center fielder for the 2016 run kind of ick. Right. So it comes back to more than likely Will Benson. And we talked about it last week. The We think the nail was in his coffin when Arias started getting starts at first base leading up to that Royal series before our last recording. So you hate to see it happen. He had such a fantastic year in the minors um, and he will be in my minor league recap when the guardians wrap up their playoff run. However, that decides to end hopefully with a parade, but you know, you, you feel awful. Yes. You, you, you feel awful for the guy because he had such a great season and then was another victim like Nolan Jones, like others, that it just felt like there was nowhere to stick him, nowhere to put him. Um, and I feel extra terrible because I saw a video that while they were spray painting the postseason graphics onto the field today, he held a gender reveal at second base. Aww. Will he be the Will Benson? Congrats, is is going to be a father. So Yay. you wish him absolutely nothing but the best, but he will be on the taxi squad. So even if he doesn't make the AL wildcard roster, should an injury happen, should anything right. come up, I feel he's a better matchup, then he could come back for a potential DS or CS. So it's not the end of the world for him, but he seems like the most likely candidate to get the axe. Yeah. Uh, they just really haven't used him except for being a late inning, you know, defensive replacement for somebody. And honestly, I feel like the more even than uh, Arias, the, the call up and ascension to starting lineup of Will Brennan, was to me more of a sign that Benson just wasn't getting any run, any more run with this team. Um, and, and Will Brennan has been everything that has been advertised in the majors, you know, and advertised in the minors. He's been everything of that in the majors this year since coming up. Um, and so it, it really is a, a, a good position to be in to, to cut somebody like Benson who could be, a good player, but he just hasn't really shown it in the major league level. Um, aside from, like I said, being a, a late inning replacement, which in that case, you know, you can definitely just go to, if you have, let's say you have Oscar Gonzalez, a DH 
you know, Arias can play left field or something like that and move Quan around if there's an injury. Quan has played all all three outfield spots. Well, Brennan's a more than capable center fielder in the minors. So, you know, uh, these guys are able to play kind of anywhere. There's no, you know, Ernie Clements that are playing backup left fielder as well as a bullpen arm, as well as a backup catcher, you know. Emergency um, catcher Ernie Clements. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it, it does. It's, it's rough for Will Benson, but that seems to be the, the way that the, it looks to go. And it, I, and I don't blame Cleveland for doing it They're They're, you just don't really have a need for a fifth outfielder. Right. In and, a three game series. Reason, and what reason does Will Brennan give them, given the team to not go with him? Right. I, I keep jumping back. I know it's incredibly small sample sizes as I stutter all over the place trying to get my thoughts out, but I keep jumping back to the all-star break podcast we did with Justin Lotta of guardians baseball insider when he just kind of casually dropped the nugget that there's people within the organization that he's spoken to throughout the farm system that are higher on Will Brennan than George Valera, who depending on where you look is arguably your top prospect right in the entire farm system. Right. And I know our very own Dr. Mitch is not very high on Brennan's tools. He's talked about that excessively, but when the numbers are showing what they are through an incredibly small stretch and he's another one of these fearless, I don't know what I don't know rookies that have come up and done what they've done for Cleveland. Yeah. You've got no reason to not give him the chance. Yeah, Absolutely. I I love what Will Brennan brings to the table because I love what this team has brought to the table and everything that they have been doing, Will Brennan's doing as well. So um, I have no issue whatsoever with Will Brennan being even the starting right fielder, you know, and that allows Oscar and, like you said, Josh Naylor to kind of rotate at first base. Um, I do think that Owen Miller is going to be there. I do think they like... Uh, Gabriel Arias as like a backup first baseman. They've used him at first base, I think even more than Owen Miller recently, or at least about the same. I know Arias has started at least a game in this last like week, week and a half at first base. It's been um, split. Owen hit a two run bomb just a few days ago. So he's right. been in the lineup and I'm pretty sure he was playing first base that day. Um yeah, that's another one, though, that just comes down to has Arias shown them enough? Because yeah. you could justify starting Arias if the team has seen what they needed to see and yeah. Owen could be your second guy out. Right. But and again, this is one of those things, like, I wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning for work. There's six hours till game day when I wake up tomorrow and you guys are hearing this day of. Rosters will be announced two hours before game. Right. So we're we're useless right now. This is all just right. rampant <laughs> we're just speculation. Here. We're just we're just guessing and flying by the seat of our pants, just like they are, and you know that's where we're at. But uh, as always, you, know, you do not come to us for the competence. No, the takes. That's what I'm here really? for. Spicy takes spelled T A E K S. So the hot takes. I would put it in the like SpongeBob, like every other letter capitalized thing, the the font. That's where that's how you'd read the hot takes. But um, as long as you can make the face, 
That's what right. has to go with that. Yeah. The, yeah, the perfect mocking, the arms back, everything. Yeah. But yeah. So uh Will Brennan is great. Will Benson is great. Congratulations, Will Brenson uh, and his uh significant other for the baby. Um you're probably gonna be watching the playoffs from the dugout. Uh and that's okay. Because you're you're doing that. Uh Will Brennan will probably be starting the right in right field, like I said. Uh I they seem to Naylor's ankle seems to be okay enough. And I really don't think you're going to walk up to Josh Naylor and say you're not playing first base today. Josh Naylor has that feel of the the gamer who you you know uh, I, who was the who's the old what was the old I cannot remember the old pitcher in major league like I got one more I mean gosh it's like no you're out get out of here that had like all the stuff all over him I forget but that wasn't now Dorn was it Dorn no it wasn't Dorn was the third base oh gosh now I can't remember his name that's gonna haunt my dreams tonight I'm going to literally wake up in a cold sweat at 3 a.m and just be I like, got you it was I this name but anyway I I hundred percent Josh Naylor is not coming out of a game in this playoffs. There's no way you're going to tell him that he's not playing first base. Uh, and, and uh, to be honest, he's been hitting the ball all, a, a ton lately. Uh, this last game on Wednesday, he had three hits and like three RBI. So it's, you know, it's not like he's been horrible. He's been pitching, he's been uh, hitting for the ball really well. So, uh, he should be your starting first baseman. Obviously, every other position is pretty much set. Um, if they do carry Bo Naylor, they will have that third catcher. Um, we can argue the basis of whether or not that's a smart thing to do. Um, basically, what you're doing when you're carrying three catchers is you're making Bo Naylor the like eighth or ninth inning catcher. Uh, you have let's say you start Austin Hedges game one and game two, when he gets four at bat to cross those two games, Luke Maley and Bo Naylor are hopefully not picking up a bat is what you're, is what you're doing when you have three catchers. Um, you're using. At least not in later innings in, in at bats. Right. Count in one yes. Games. Yes. Extra inning games and things like that. But you know, we are it, not advocating that you pull Austin Hedges in the bottom of the third when he's, batting seventh after your first six guys have gone yes. down. Yes. Um, but I'm saying like you're getting through to like the seventh inning and you're calling upon Gabriel Arias to come up against, you know, a tough lefty. And then you can put Luke Maley in for the eighth and ninth or whatever. Uh, and you have Bo Naylor on the bench, not doing much, but watching and and being there available in case you need him. So um, that's something that I would like to touch on really quick is what you absolutely. said. I don't think a lot of people are valuing enough that yes, 26 players can be active for the playoff roster, but anybody on the taxi squad or anybody who could be an emergency substitution is allowed to be in the dugout or in yeah. the bullpen with the team. So Brian Shaw, albeit not everybody's favorite pitcher, is he still with the organization again? Yes, he cleared waivers. He accepted an outright uh, demotion to AAA Columbus, but he's Good on job. the taxi squad for the playoffs. Of he he's in the dugout. Right. So as a veteran leader, 
you value having that. Perfect. That's all you at, need. At any point in time. Shaw, Shaw is basically Scott Atchison. Right. He is your old man that is there to talk through the bullpens. Y yes, his on-field performance left a lot to be desired. But what he did for a lot of these young arms, mentoring them and working with them, right, can't be understated. And 100%. it's one of those things with a lot of veteran players. But Shaw was the veteran. So having guys like Shaw in the dugout, Goes is in the facility, even though he's rehabbing, he's in that dugout, he's right. been on playoff teams. You have a wealth of extra experience that, albeit not on the field, is still going to make an impact on a lot of these kids. Which a lot like the the Jason Giambi, the, you know, the where it's like, I'm coming in for N at bat, and that's it. But you know what? I'm going to give you a whole bunch of stuff that I, you know, yeah. the the intangible, Mike unmeasurable Napoli. kind of stuff that, you know. Yeah. Tw yeah. 2016 Mike Napoli was exactly the same way. Party at Napoli's was as much a fun thing for the fans as it was for the players. And I'm going to keep name dropping Meisel, but if you read his article this morning about Jose Ramirez and how he grew to be the player that he is today, he talked a lot about how Jose learned to be a leader from Mike Napoli. Yeah. You have the superstar player that you have today in large part due to Nap's influence. Right. Yes. That was a fantastic piece from Zach. Uh, basically opening the notebook of stories that he's had on, on Jose for years. And almost, almost a decade of Jose Ramirez stories right. that he was sitting on that he felt the, the, Day between game 162 and playoffs game one was a perfect time to drop and yeah, which it was. it was because i enjoyed it and i uh i loved hearing more about uh jose's uh rise to the rise to the meme that he is he really is just a walking like memeable character and it's just it's it's great and you know the stories are they the stories that you hear are just, they're so full of love and life from him. And, and that's all anybody ever actually says. And it's just so great. Uh, my dad has not been following baseball as much. And I uh, was telling Ethan that I, in the pre-show, I, I almost went and bought tickets for the game tomorrow. Took Was going to take off work, grab my dad and, uh, and go up. And he's like, I, you know, I haven't really been watching a whole bunch and, I was like, yeah, you know, playoff baseball in Cleveland, I think you'll figure it out. You know, you'll you'll figure out who the good guys are. And uh, he's like, oh, yeah, well, I know Jose is getting a statue, uh, his own statue. He did he did what Tommy couldn't do and signed another contract. I'm like, okay, we're getting a little in the weeds here. But, uh, you know, they're absolutely 100%. Jose has, they have, they have started building the statue for Jose. And it is... Uh, We'll, we'll, we will get more on, on Jose's stories and, and things when we, whenever we do our post-mortem in November when they won the World Series. Uh, but um, I'm going to sidetrack just a second longer, though, because I had this discussion recently with a friend about what Jose's statue should look like. And we've come to the conclusion that, yes, you should have your typical bronze statue of Jose Ramirez. Just him doing the strut. He could be doing the strut. It, it doesn't matter what movement you have him doing. The difference is, is that the helmet needs to be twenty was, feet behind him on the ground. Say, the, the helmet, the helmet has is to be connected statue. somehow, and like it's just out and away. It's just going to be on the sidewalk, like twenty feet behind him. It's right. own statue. 
you're gonna have the Jose Ramirez Guardians Wall of Fame, the plaque and everything, and then there's gonna be the helmet, and there's gonna be a plaque in front of it that just says Jose's helmet. Right. Like every, everybody's gonna know lost, what that is, what that means. Lost ninety five times in twenty twenty two. Honestly, if they got with Meisel and got the full lost helmet counter for his career and put that there, oh, that would be chef's yeah. kiss. Fantastic. I do love, and they included in Zach, obviously included it in his uh, in his article. But ninety five times is a lot, and it's and it just goes and, and and Zach mentions in the article. It happens one because his dreads, his hair doesn't allow for the helmet to stay on very well, but also, it's just what a hustler Jose is that he just it the man exudes enthusiasm and energy. And it shows, and, and you know, we we've talked all year about how much, you know, they, they go first to third, and they're this, you know, base running team, good base running team, and they're and and you know, we've heard of the bunch recently because it obviously people are starting to figure, trying to ask like how this happened, but uh, Terry Vancona's pulled Jose and pulled Ahmed aside at the beginning of the year and said. You're the veterans. You're the leaders. We're not going to get any kind of effort out of these kids unless you guys are doing it. And Jose, more than ever, has been, obviously, because this is his, his career-high helmet counter for the year was this year. But more so than ever, he you know really put it out there and showed exactly what kind of hustle is needed to be a... Uh, a, a star in this in this uh, on this team in this league, and, and what it means to do this, this guardianist type of baseball, as disgusting as you may call it, if you're a yeah. fan. There, there's honestly no way to to quantify it, but obviously we're biased as Cleveland fans. But I would fight tooth and nail any day of the week that of all of the hearts and souls of individual teams across baseball, there isn't one that means more to an individual team than Jose Ramirez means to Cleveland. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. This is Alex Hasty, the host of Ohio versus the world, an American history podcast on Ohio versus the world. We'll travel back in time with the authors, historians, and even witnesses to visit the most exciting, consequential, and too often overlooked topics that have shaped America's history. There seems to be an Ohio connection to so many important moments. When you said uh, Ohio versus the world, we did some damage. So join us and we'll take a deep dive to enlighten, educate, and entertain you as Ohio versus the world makes history fun again. All right, let's uh, let's get going on some more uh, preview stuff here. So for the guards, we talked about it last week, but... Uh, Bears reminding uh, Shane Bieber will start game one. Tristan McKenzie will start game two on Saturday. And uh, Cal Quantrill will continue. We'll try to go for uh, game 45 in a row of not losing at home if needed on Sunday. Um, again, that, uh, those first two games will be at 12 noon. We will possibly grab about the schedule in a moment. But uh, the four o'clock game on Sunday would be nice uh, if, if Cal is needed. Obviously, would prefer that he not be needed, and uh, possibly start Game One against the Yankees. Um, we said no Savali in this World Wild Card Series. Um, only ever, uh, uh, Plezak will be 
used as a bulk arm. Savali will be brought back if they do advance. Um, what do you think about Plezak being in the bullpen long term? Do you think that they, I mean, obviously, playoff, we're used to playoffs and they only ever have on three to four starters. Um, I think we've seen the last of Zach Plezak as a starter, uh, possibly ever in a Guardians uniform, but at least for this year. Do you, do you agree? Whether or not he pitches another game in a Guardians uniform after this playoff run is a completely different story. It could even be its own podcast, to be completely honest. But Plezak is redundant in my mind, because if we understand the rules correctly, then Savale is going to be the only pitcher left off, unless they want to run one bullpen arm under the minimum. But the playoffs aren't like that. You're going to need every hand on deck that you can get out of right. the bullpen. So playing one under the cap doesn't seem right. So we can assume that that means Cody Morris and Kirk McCarty are also in the bullpen. And McCarty's been just as effective as Plesak. I trust Cody Morris much more than both of them in a very limited sample size to be that right. fireman swing man. You know, they jump out to a early lead, God forbid, and Bieber and McKenzie needs pulled in the third, so you stop the bleeding. So, Plezak overall to me is absolutely redundant, and I'm not really on board with having to trust him with stopping bleeding or even maintaining a lead. And I I know I'm crazy. I I dug into it a little bit this week on on Savant and Fangraphs. All of the numbers suggest that he's got one of the best fastballs in, in the league, but it hasn't translated to production. He was nominated right. in Jason Stark's uh, Cy Yuck for one of the five worst pitchers in baseball this year. And it's Feels not right. Just, it, Feels it earned. Feels it, it earned. Is deserved. And it, it goes beyond the four and whatever god-awful amount of losses he has this year. So it, it's a weird thing where some of the metrics suggest he might be okay, but I don't believe them enough to let my gut not be right here and just say... I'd almost honestly rather have Connor Pilkington if you're going to carry three redundant arms because at least Pilk's a lefty. Right. Yeah, I I hadn't thought about Pilkington, but, you know, um, it is that would possibly be an option. Um, I don't know. I, I do think that please, that could possibly be that him and Tavoli could swap um, places for the ALDS and beyond. Um and, and they would keep McCarty and, and Morris around if, if need be for, you know, gauze guys, I guess, is what you would possibly call them. Uh, stop the, the bleeding. Slap a band-aid on it, yeah. Right. Um, I like gauze guys because I like alliteration. So I'm, I'm going to keep that. Uh, my own thing there. Anyway, um, I could see him swapping with that and, and Savali coming in for Plezak. I... I'm interested to see if they force him in to a game to keep him fresh. Like instead of like if Bieber goes six, do they use Plezak in the seventh? You know, like to keep him on some sort of a regular like schedule, because uh, he wouldn't have pitched. He, he was supposed to have pitched, I think. 
He got scratched in 162 in favor of Savale. Right. So it was it was going to be Wednesday. Then today, he you know, it's possible that tomorrow would be his day to pitch because he had, he, he got moved back. So, um, you know, I, I, I can see a world where he comes in tomorrow after Bieber, um, regardless of situation. Hopefully it's with a lead. Um, but I can definitely see, you know, them trying to keep him, you know, going just because he's, he's, he's working back up to starters load, or they could just not use him at all and say, this is we're we're chunking it. So I, 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 would need, I, I would definitely need a multiple run lead to really trust please Zach to be out there even following a strong outing from Bieber. And it's, it's weird to think that because his home run numbers are actually down this year overall, but everything else is just yeah. But you know what? His so punch bad. the mound numbers are just astronomical. So you know that's okay. But the issue there is that they never decreased. He's the same year in and year out. So right, good. yeah, that's there's no improvement. He's the league leader in punches on the mound, and that's I that's a stat you just don't want to lead it. You know, and he's still zero and one. Right. That, that, that mound did get him. Um, so, okay. we're I think we're done crapping on Please Zach now. Um, Zach, Welcome to the Cornercast, a Please Zach Slander podcast. <laughs> if, you, uh, if you listen, let, me, let us know. You know, that'd be great. Uh, okay. Tampa Bay has only announced two starters of their... Uh, of their, po- of their possible three, uh, Tyler Glasnow and Shane McClanahan. Uh, Shane McClanahan, is he going to game one or game two? He is game one. So okay. it'll be Bieber versus McClanahan tomorrow. So lefty on the mound for the Rays. Right. And then Tyler Glasnow starting possibly, uh, you know, I don't. it remains to be seen how many innings these guys are pitching because both are coming off of injury. McClanahan has had a longer time back than Glasnow has. Glasnow's came back against the guardians. Um, I think it was the Friday game. Yeah. Um, so Glasnow has only two starts on the year coming back from Tommy John. He went four innings against Boston in their last series of the year. And from what I've been able to read and where he is in his rehab and naturally ramping up from all of this, the expectation for Glasnow should be about a 75 pitch count, even if it is a playoff game. So two innings if uh, Cleveland gets, you know, their normal way going. If Quan Rosario and J.R.M. work the magic that they've worked <laughs> for 162 games, that might not be enough. Yes, right. but, you know, Glasnow is an elite pitcher when healthy. Right. And if he gets it going and is on Saturday afternoon, Seven- 75 pitches could get them six innings. Right. Um, And, yeah, so it, it's, it's interesting um, – Cleveland has never. I, I don't know if it's a if it's a weirdness that's just in Cleveland's uh, system, but Connor Pilkington is like one of the very few left-handed pitchers that's made multiple starts in a year for them. Um, so it's it's they've always just had right-handers, um, but McClanahan being a lefty, um, what do you think? Again, let's go on the premise. Bo Naylor is on. Will Brennan is off, or will not? Will Brennan? Will Benson is off. Um, so Brennan is here, Naylor is here. 
what is your starting lineup looking like tomorrow? You know, again, with all of the caveats on board that it is 10 o'clock at night on a Thursday and we won't know until 12 hours from now what the lineup actually is. Yeah, full disclaimer, Full disclaimer: half the guys I say might not even be on the roster come 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. No, um, it's... Half, half feels big. Half feels be. strong. That's I'm a little... exaggerating slightly. That's a little much. But, so McClanahan's a lefty, and Cleveland has this odd reputation for not being the best against lefties this year, but that's changed a bit as the rookies have come up and done what they do, which is be fearless and assault anything shaped like a baseball that comes into a batter's box. So the top of the order doesn't change. It's still going to be Quan, Rosario, Jose. Uh, that hasn't changed all year. All three of those guys have earned. It's only, yeah, the only times that they have not it was this last week where they were just throwing crap against the wall and getting guys in. Right. Giving yeah, you're getting playing time. You're seeing who's doing anything well, but no, you 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 have to stick Oscar. I think DHing in the cleanup spot because he's been. I mean, he finished the year hitting two ninety six or two ninety eight or something. It was absolutely insane, which none of us saw coming. Yeah, two ninety six this year for Oscar, but that also includes hitting two sixty six against lefties, which is respectable. So I think you have to DH him which leaves a tough decision at first base because all three options at first base have been terrible against lefties this year, Josh Naylor, Owen Miller, Gabriel Arias. So that's where you kind of have to bite your first bullet and just say, pick them. But if I'm going by anything, I'm going by Josh Naylor's lone playoff sample size where he made the Yankees have nightmares for three games. Right. So, I give a slight edge to Naylor there, probably batting fifth. You slap Andres, who... Gerbs, do you remember when we refused to start Andres Jimenez against lefties? I do. I almost feel like there was a hashtag. It wasn't... It wasn't someday Andres. Was it everyday Andres? I think it was everyday Andres, because the occasion is everyday. We do right we don't rise the occasion, the occasion every day. Yes. Now, this is just a casual throw out here that Andres hit 336 against lefties this year. So I don't know where he got this reputation that he can't hit left-handed pitching. He feasted on it this season. Now, it's 123 plate appearances. Take that for what you will. But you just don't see as many lefties as you do righties. But right. when he did, he demolished them. So you absolutely have to get him in there. And then I'm playing Brennan. I'm playing... Pick your catcher between Hedges or Maley. It really doesn't matter. It's a black hole at that spot in the lineup. Right. And likely will get pulled in the fifth, sixth, or seventh for Bo Naylor's defensive substitute to get somebody else in there to pinch hit. Uh, and then Straw. He's given me no reason not to believe in him. He's been, he's been really great in the last uh, last month of the season. Month plus, almost six weeks now. I, I've right. seen enough to almost declare him back, but he, he's got my trust, especially in that nine-hole spot. Yeah. If you, if you get a little bit of momentum going at the bottom of the order or you get him on to lead off an inning with Quan Ahmed and J-Ram after him, you know, that's invaluable in a playoff series. His, his right. ability to steal bases, his ability to still hit the walks are back with him. They've been up recently. The strikeouts right. are down. The contact's better. So, yeah, I I don't see any other reason why it wouldn't be Quan, Rosario, Ramirez, 
Gonzalez, Naylor, Jimenez, Brennan, Hedges, Straw in a yeah. game one lineup against McClanahan. Even again, and, and yeah, I agree. My only thing, and Tito has uh, long standed that he tries to mix up the handedness of the hitters as much as possible. So I can see a situation where he puts Naylor at cleanup uh, behind the switch hitting Jose using Oscar fifth and Andre's sixth just to swap the left, right, left, you know, of it all. Um, It's a spot. It doesn't really, you know, I'm we're I don't want to get in like positional breakdowns, you know, who's got the edge at second base, who's the X factor and all that kind of stuff. And it's all against any other team. Yeah. Against any other team, I would almost agree with you outright, but Tampa Bay's bullpen is just stacked with left-handed pitching. Yeah. So we're also, but they also don't do that. You can't just call in a lefty for a a, a guy anymore. You know what I mean? Like they, they, so Tito has, has been doing that for years because of, of those rules where, you know, you get two guys in and all of a sudden you got a loogie in there. Um, yeah. But, you know, that's not the way that the game is anymore. You have, you know, innings pitchers basically now where they're, guy, or they're for the, at least three batters. And yeah, so. unless Cash is so sure that his guy's going to go out there if he throws him out there for one batter to end the inning. And you can right. pull them between innings if they only face one guy. But yeah, you're you're right. That's not you know the the lefty righty for a single matchup in the or for a single at bat in the seventh inning doesn't really play anymore. Right. So uh, I I agree. I and I honestly think that's the lineup for right-handers as well. I I don't see I don't foresee them making any you know if you're if you're not using if you're not using Owen Miller at first base for Naylor, which I again. I, I think you're going to have to, you would have to literally like hog tie Josh Naylor to get him out of a lineup at this point in time. Um, so I, I, I don't see Owen Miller coming in, but that would be the only spot really for me that you're putting somebody in at a left for a left-handed pitcher. That's not going to be in there for a righty. Um, yeah. You play your best guys in October and right. Naylor's your best guy. I think you're more likely to forget Owen Miller at the hotel than you are to start him over Naylor. Right. Well, you know, if as long as you're not out of clean underwear, as Tito has says, that was one of his one of his better lines. It's so. not the first time he's dropped the clean underwear quote on no. a playoff press conference. I'm pretty sure he's said that before. Well, I mean, there was a time where he almost filled his when he uh, ate too many ice cream pops. Yeah, there is that story. So, again, that's... That goes the, the the side of the Zach Plezak aggressively removing his shirt. You know, was that actually what happened? Or is this just a pleasant thing that we get to tell people that happened? So that's for you to decide, not me. Please be sure to think critically about what we just said, because I right. won't. Uh, okay, so we're getting close to being done. Uh, do you want to gripe about the scheduling? And how uh, crappy these 12 a, a twelve p.m. starts are on Friday and Saturday. Saturday is sold out. So I, I like Saturday makes sense. I get that you don't necessarily want the game on ESPN 2. But, you know, 
I, the the provider for ESPN is is suspect, but I'm I'm okay with a noon start time on Saturday. However, you are not March Madness. You are not going to get games. You're not going to get people out to games at twelve o'clock on a Friday in the middle of September the way that you would for any like even the Yankees. I feel like would have a hard time like filling you know just like yeah it's the friday game for sure that i have the bigger problem with 100 percent. because first pitch is like man i'm taking my lunch break i'm i'm at work i'm right. gonna have tom hamilton in my ears but like don't you think i would want to be at a bar watching that game if right. not downtown like why does this have to be at 1207 on a friday right and god forbid espn Ye of three channels that could be running games simultaneously. Why could you not overlap? Why could you not have Cleveland and Tampa and Philadelphia and St. Louis both have four o'clock first pitches, one on ESPN, one on ESPN2? You can flip back and forth. People are going to watch the games that they want to watch. You're not going to leech your own ratings. And then, oh, by the way, you can still have Toronto and Seattle play at seven, which is not an abnormal start time for a West coast team like Seattle that has to fly cross country and play in Toronto and, and do, do it that way. Or you could, you know, do two games at two games at four o'clock, one game at seven, one game at 10. If it's easier for you, depending on where you are, like they have the flexibility to do this. The only thing that irks me on Saturday with the team being on ESPN two, I am so sorry that you're so afraid of losing those Vanderbilt versus Wake Forest ratings or whatever nonsense game is going to be on at noon on ESPN. That does not matter in the grand scheme of college football. Going by the ratings, they're going to, they're, they always pull college football just pulls and football in general pulls way more, even than playoff baseball. But, um, so I, I I get it. I like I said I don't mind the twelve o'clock. The twelve o'clock on Saturday is nice. Because you then you just get you get the game in and get the game out. You're done, you got Saturday night, you can do whatever you want. Um But yeah, I don't I don't know why you can't do like even if you did like two, four, six, and eight, you know, right. tomorrow. Like it, why not do that? Where you have right. like the ninth inning is going over the first inning of the next game. You know, like right. If you really want to watch the end of one game, you might miss the first inning or two, and you may not miss much because you have playoff aces dueling, and hopefully nobody's giving up four runs in the first. Right. Or if they are, they're wearing red. I imagine the guards are wearing red tomorrow. Yeah, I don't know if I like that comment. Why? Or they're scoring. Oh, if they aren't they're wearing red. Okay, I misheard you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, you scared me for a second there. I was like, do you have that little faith in Shane Bieber? My goodness. No, I want him. No. I want the I want the guards be getting four runs on McClanahan tomorrow. Yeah. No, I I get that college football ratings pull. I hate that baseball has to suffer because of it. Because it it's a bidding war. ESPN won the bid for these games. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate that baseball now on the backside had to compete with already scheduled football programming that already pulls ratings for them. But ESPN hasn't exactly done themselves any favors or endeared themselves to the college football fans because over the course of the last three weeks, while Aaron Judge has been chasing 62, they've been cutting into 
games and programming to show Aaron Judge walking 27% of the time. Right. Which to a lot of college football fans and largely people who already didn't care about baseball just started to hate it even more out of spite. Right. So ESPN hasn't done anything to endear themselves to an already apathetic audience. They haven't done anything to endear themselves to the people who actually care. And baseball as a whole gets to eat it over it. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, it's, it's griping, but you know, when, when Friday, Saturday, you don't have to worry about it anymore because you're going to be playing the Yankees and you know, you're going to in prime time because Yankees pulled just as much as college football does, if yeah. not more. So, and then you're in, and then, uh, and then you win again and then you're in the championship series. And those have to be at night. So true. Yeah. Just get yeah. past these two and then you're in prime time the rest of the way. Yeah. Shake hands with your local Cowboys fan. Right. <laughs> I love the trope of Cowboys, Lakers, Yankees fan. They're all the same. They are. Every single one of them. It's, it's the same person. Yeah. hundred percent. We all know that guy. You're, you're picturing him right now. We all know right. him. Right. It was LeBron. <laughs> That's from Iowa. Yeah, well, well now, we, now he plays for the Lakers, so you know, right? But let's not forget, Mr. Yankees fan owns the Boston Red Sox, so there's that, right? Yeah, who knows? Anyway, all right, we're getting into goofy things now, so that's usually uh, our oh, wait. We, we were ever serious to begin with, <laughs> no, but when we start getting into uh, into the late night, late night talks, that's when it uh goes and and luckily I, I didn't have to record two podcasts tonight so my voice is still okay that's that's also i have like a, a a deadline on my voice i know when i start hacking up a lung is when i'm as when i've I'm, i've tapped out so but uh that is going to do it for us uh for ethan for myself for waiting for next year for zach please zach we love you even though you're just not great uh we say good night and we say, sweet dreams, go guards. Go guardians. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. (laughs) Right.